Welcome to Momentum Church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds like you're giving Ross some praise. I mean, I don't deserve no praise. I say give Jesus some praise in here this morning, man. Yes, Lord. He is so, so good to us. And I want to thank you all over the last couple weeks missing. I'm so sorry. I know the team did an incredible job. They always do. But thanks for your prayers. Um, while I was on quarantine, no, I never did get sick. I did test negative. The fellow that I was exposed to in a very long exposure, um, he ended up in the hospital. And so, you know, so it was a legit exposure. But, but thank God it never, it never got on me. And um, Arden, she was so cute, she calls it the Rona. And so she would, like, come close, like, by the window and look at me and hug through the window. I was outside and go like that. And, and then when it was all said and done, she's like, can I give you a hug now? And I said, yeah. And she goes, the Rona won't get me? I was like, the Rona won't get you. And so got the love on my children. It was, a, it, was a, it was something. I tell you, it was different. But um, I guess it's 2020, everybody, right? So I want you to open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6. As you can see on the screen this morning, we have intentions to make everybody mad. Come on, somebody. I, I, I told somebody this morning, I said, I don't mind making everybody mad. I just don't want to make a couple people mad. I want to make all y'all mad this morning, amen? So if you lean to the right, I hope you get upset today. If you lean to the left, I hope you get upset today. What I hope for is that we look up in the middle of all this stuff, amen? amen. And we get to see King Jesus for a moment today, amen? Amen. So I received a message on Monday, a text thread, it said this to me. It was a little um, message from Facebook privately. It said, it's been on my heart to ask you about your political views by nature of being a pastor. It's none of my business personally how you voted, and I know I'm not good at showing up for church, but I believe you're a good man with Christian values similar to my own. And it's on my heart to know whether you voted for Trump. Well, how do you answer that? You know? And as I read it, I, I, I don't, I, 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 I feel like I know the person's leanings. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if you do, but I feel like I know the person's leanings. And, and, and I'm reading it going, I don't know how I'm supposed to answer that. Because in today's culture, there's something called cancel culture. All right? And I, I didn't want to preach about any of this. I'll just be honest. I was like, I just want to come and love on Jesus and love Jesus, my people, our church people. And, 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 but the Lord's just laid on my heart that, no, you've got to set tone in the midst of stuff going on in the world at times. Amen? Amen. And I hope you're okay with that. Your pastor isn't afraid to set tone in the middle of stuff at times, right? So this cancer culture, I'll give you a definition of it. It's a modern form of ostracism in which someone is thrust out of social or professional circles online, on social media, or in the real world, or both. And so as I read this, I thought to myself, well, what is the benefit of her knowing my vote, right? Like, like in this moment, if she's all like for Trump, and I tell her my vote, will she cancel me? Now hold on, because we're going to get there later on. Because I know there's people sitting there going, well, it don't matter. Trump is truth. And if Trump is truth, then stand for truth. Well, I remember Jesus being the way, the truth, Amen. the life. I don't remember a scripture ever saying Trump was truth. Okay, President Trump. So, but, but some people, I, I get it. All right? So I could say, Trump, 
And wherever her political lean is, she can go, yeah, he's for my agenda. I knew he was a good Christian. I knew it. I know he goes to church and I don't, but I knew he was a good Christian. <laughs> I should have said that. But now I don't know because it could have been on the other side. And in that moment, if I would have said that, it could be yes, you know. Or it could have been, nope, he's against my agenda because I voted for the other guy. I voted for, for, for Biden. And, and so because my vote lies there, now I really know where he stands. Because, you know, real Christians are going to vote that way, you know. And, cause, you know, because, I mean, listen, pro-life matters, but all the way to the grave, right? And so real Christians are going to vote that way. And, so, and there's arguments I get on both sides. And, and so I'm not here to tell you where to vote, Amen. All right, what I'm getting at is, in that moment, I could have said Biden. And if I sided with her, oh, that's great. I was trying to trick you. I'm, I'm for Biden, too. Or in that moment, you know what? You're evil, and you're going to hell. And, and so instantly, I'm canceled. My influence in her life would be canceled in that moment. And so, like my response is to many people, I always say I'm a bit of a centrist. If you know anything about your pastor, I'm a centrist in a lot of stuff, Right? I, I am. I'm a centrist in a lot of stuff. And so I'm a bit of a centrist. And I just said to her, I said, I don't talk politics, even with my church people. My own staff doesn't know my vote. I focus people on the gospel. Amen? And I know that's grating on some folk. Some folk are sitting there going, but truth is truth. I, I get it. I understand. I hope by the end of this talk today, you'll be able to understand my heart and where I'm coming from with this, all right? And so I want to read something to you from Scripture that I believe could have been written. Well, it was written in 742 B.C., okay, so a little while ago. But I believe every four years or eight years, 16 years, every, you got what I'm trying to say. I believe this could be read about any time. So this could have been read back in 2016. Somebody could have read this at the end of President Obama's era, and they could have read this. Somebody could have read this at the end of, of President <coughs> Bush 1's era, and they could have read this. Somebody could have read this. It doesn't matter. I'm just saying, listen to what it says in Isaiah 6.1. In the year that King Uzziah died... I like it when politicians die. <laughs> Not like at the hands of anything nefarious. I'm just saying, like, nothing nefarious. I'm just, I'm just, it just speaks to us that these are mortal men. Amen? It just speaks to us these are men that are flawed. These are men that have their own personal agendas. These are men that, that sometimes represent God well, sometimes not, sometimes in the middle. King Uzziah was one of those middle kind of guys. As you look at his history, early on, man, he did good in the sight of the Lord. And underneath prophet Zechariah, in his ear, he listened and he tried to strive after the things of God. But by the end of his tenure, he'd become prideful and arrogant. And I'll talk about that later. And by the end of his tenure, he lost it all to his son. But here now, in 742, in the year that King Uzziah died, and I just want to say when I see that, I want to tell you, leaders come and leaders go. Guess what? Agendas come and agendas, they go. They, they, you'll have people now say, well, but, but the Republicans of the day were the Democrats of yesterday and vice versa. You've heard those things. You know, agendas come and agendas go. They're man's best attempt they really are. I'm not against politics. I pray every single person in this room went and voted. If you didn't, sh 
don't have a voice. You chose not to vote. But I pray everybody voted. But here's what I want you to see. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Come on. And he was seated high and on his throne. And he was lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Man, it gave me chills when I thought about this last week. I just thought, you know what? Those politicians will come and go. Kingdoms will come and go. But Jesus, and I don't want that to sound trite, because we've seen it all on Facebook. I have no king but Jesus, and, and it doesn't matter who's in the throne. I No, get it real. Don't think of it as a meme, folks. This is reality, okay? 2,000 years later, Jesus is still on the throne. And 2,000 years from now, he'll still be on the throne. And 6,000, doesn't, he's on the throne, period. What does that mean? That means there's a greater agenda above the agendas of men. That means there's a better platform above the platforms of men. Watch this. And the train of his robe filled the temple. When I think of a train, I don't, I'm not around kings very much, most of us, right? But, now some of you men are like, yeah, baby, but I'm around a princess. <laughs> you missed your opportunity, Chris. I, I served it up on a platter for you. I'm telling you. But I'm not around kings very much. But I am around brides, and brides have a train, you know? And you know what that train represents when they walk into the room? It represents that it's their day. It's the bride's day. Amen? And no matter what happens in elections, I just want us to understand and know, no matter whether it's your favorite politician getting elected or your favorite politician getting, getting um, 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 not de-elected is not the right word. What's it? Unseated. Doesn't matter, Okay. It's Jesus that's on the throne, and it's his train that fills the temple. It's still Jesus' day. Isn't that awesome? Some of the most amazing things that have happened in the world has happened underneath poor leadership. Some of the most amazing things that's happened in the world has happened underneath good leadership. It, it, God will have his way, but I believe he has his way through his church. The glory of the Lord, it says here that the train filled the, every say, temple, What's the temple of the Lord? It's us. Amen? And so in the year that King Uzziah died, let's just say it this way, in the year that my favorite politician died, God, please be seated upon the throne. And let your glory, let your train fill this temple. Amen? Is that good? Be seated. Everybody just touch yourself. Just seated on my throne, Lord. Lord, you be, you be in leadership of my heart. Not a political agenda. You, Jesus, be in leadership of my heart. Because it doesn't matter who's on the throne or not. It's still his day. And he desires still to fill his church so that his glory will be seen. Watch this. Verse 2. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he flew. And one called to another saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Do you see that? As, as, as his train, as we recognize this is his day, and as his train fills our temple, as his glory, who he is, fills his temple, his glory through his church can fill the whole earth. Amen? If we're reflecting his glory. If, if he's seated on the throne of our hearts, not on the throne of our agenda. But on the throne of our hearts, 
I love that. And I love it that as his glory goes across the earth, these angels are decreeing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. In other words, they're declaring who God is. Not a strong man that is linked to who God is, that someone can vote for or against, if you will, that someone can come and give some cancel culture to, if, if you will, okay? But, but literally who he is is being represented in the earth. And when people, the angels are seeing this, they're saying, holy, holy, holy. The earth is full of his glory. He's God, he's God, he's God. Hmm. And so what we can see in this scripture is that God begins to shake the foundations of everything that's going on in that moment. The threshold shook at the voice of God who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, this is Isaiah, the prophet, a person that is going to represent God in that time. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost. Can I tell you right now, political agendas we love because they make us feel good. I know a lot of folk that aren't walking holy after God, but boy, they will celebrate their political agenda like you can't even imagine, but they don't ever say, woe is me. Woe is that Republican, woe is that Democrat, woe is that Libertarian, woe is that whatever you want to put the label on. But man, as he gets a revelation of this, of God seated on the throne, he says, woe is me. In other words, Lord, what are you going to do in my heart? I'm a man of unclean lips. I live amongst people that have unclean lips. Something happens in his life in that moment where God begins, he begins to turn toward God because God's going to set him up to be a prophet, to be one that represents him to the nation. That's what God's trying to do in this moment. Just like he's doing that to us, his church. He wants his glory seen in us so the nation can see who he is. Can we fast forward to the New Testament? So we get to the New Testament, and prophet after prophet after prophet comes, and the people don't listen. People side with their favorite politicians always. It's just what happens, but heart change isn't happening because it's so easy to follow an agenda but not let our hearts be moved and stirred by the God that created us. It's just easier to say, look at this. This is what I stand for. Well, then let it change your heart. But we don't. Smile. So guess what? Jesus comes. And he doesn't follow the politics of the day. I love this. In the New Testament, we see him come. There's basically two powers at place at play in that region at this time. And you have the Roman government. They're a polytheistic government, a very controlling government. And then you had the Herodian government, which was the religious government of the day. Guess what? A very political government, very controlling. Both movements are trying to have their agenda in the region. Both don't have the best interest of the people. Both would love for Jesus to be their champion. And the people are just looking for Jesus to come and set them free. Just come and deliver us from the Roman oppression. So you have these two powers. And they're asking Jesus, in a sense, validate us. Take a side. Validate our agenda, please, Jesus. Even one story, I remember they handed Jesus a coin trying to trap him. And it had Caesar on the one side. I actually have this coin downstairs. I have it in one of my files. This actual uh, Tiberian denarii. And it has Tiberius on it. It has the Caesar at the time on it when Jesus was alive. And it's the coolest little coin. And, and, and who is on the coin? Well, it's Caesar. Well, then render to Caesar's what's Caesar's and to God what's God. In other words, I'm not going to get into this. 
Jesus is like, there's some stuff for the government. Give it to, there's some stuff for this group over in the temple. Give to, but I'm, I have a higher agenda is what Jesus is saying. But they were always trying to trap them in their agenda. And so now it comes to a week before he's going to give his life for our salvation, which is his agenda. And it says in John 12, 12 through 15, The next day the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees, and they went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. They have an agenda. They, They want him to take rulership and become the new king. Herod had been dominating. The the Roman pontiff had been dominating. Everybody's been dominating, you know. And now, man, just come and be our king. That word Hosanna would be something that people would cry out. It's a political word. And and it's a Greek alliteration of the Hebrew yasha and ana. And yasha means to save us. And ana means please. And and so it's it's this Greek alliteration of them crying out to a political leader, come save us. Save us as we would want you to save us. Come enact your agenda for us. And some of the crowd would probably hear that and want one side of the persuasion or the other side of the persuasion. But Jesus isn't going to fall into that. All right? Check this out. Less than a week later, less than a week later, these same people are crying out, crucify him, crucify him. Why? Because Jesus wasn't going to get pulled into their agenda. He had a higher agenda. He had the gospel agenda, if you will, which is the life, the death, the resurrection, and the coming of the Messiah. That is the gospel. It's the blood shed for us. That's the power. Amen? And not just shed for Democrats and not just shed for Republicans, not shed for just socialists, not shed for capitalists. It's bloodshed for every one of us. The blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary. Oh, the blood that gives me strength from day to day. He will never lose its power. I worry the church will lose its power because we're not focused on the gospel. For it reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley. Oh, the blood that gives me strength from day to day. He will never lose its power. We don't want to talk about the blood, amen? But that's the seed of the gospel, that that blood covers all of us. And yes, when the blood comes, it changes us. And yes, there are things in political agendas that are right, and there are things that are wrong. But my worry is if we're not pointing people to the gospel, our Jesus will be discounted. And his blood 
that can change everything. What Jesus actually came for. When the crowds cried, Hosanna, Hosanna, and he didn't do what they wanted him to do, he went and died for them and did what they never could have done for themselves. And we're pointing people to political systems that are trying to be something that man can fix stuff when we need to point people to the corruption of our hearts that only the blood of Jesus can cover and only the blood of Jesus has the power to save. Can can I say it this way? Can I tell you that all agendas fail God's agenda if pushed to the furthest extreme? It's kind of like metaphors. They all fall apart if you go too far with them, right? Like, I am the bride of Christ, but y'all don't want to see me in a dress. See, that metaphor falls apart, right? I look lovely, but it'd fall apart. It's the same way. Like, capitalism. I'm not against capitalism, but left unchecked, guess what? Gain at any cost will become materialism. Well, pastor, you're a socialist. No, no, I think we all need to work not socialist either but guess what when there's a need we better all become a little bit more social that's what jesus showed there was a famine in jerusalem they all shared everything that they had i hope a famine comes to america i hope something happens to where we start to have to lean on each other as the church 2020 has been crazy but i've seen you all thrive come on i've seen you all take care of each other it's been beautiful a beautiful mess but Jesus is shining in the middle of all of it because of y'all being in the church. And let me take that back. Lord, I don't want a famine. I don't want a famine. <laughs> but I'm just saying, everything breaks down if you go too far. Libertarianism. I like libertarianism. You know, you be you, boo. But guess what? Libertarianism to its furthest extent expands, becomes licentiousness. Whatever, it doesn't matter. There's no rules. No, there are. I like democracy. I think it's the best form of government around. I really do. But power of the people to rule is awesome. But what if the heart of the people is evil? Then over time, their laws become a reflection of themselves. And their laws become evil. We have a lot of that. Amen? I'll be honest. And so my position today is that we need to rise above these camps and positions. And Jesus, he says that there's a kingdom that is to be our focus. That's what we see in all of his ministry. And that doesn't mean we don't stand for what's right. But listen, we do it from a place that is focused on transformational, not transactional activities. And I'm going to get into this a little bit, okay? Is that all right? So transformational, not transactional. So transactional living, in other words, is this. You do what I want you to do so I can get what I want to get. That's transactional living. And the idea of transactional living can be seen in how people, if you don't get what you want to get, then you just check out. Well, I'm not getting what I want. I'm out in this moment. I'm checking out. People did that last round. Remember the not my president movement? Remember that? Most people didn't have a problem or most people, you know, like had a problem with that, right? Like most conservatives, like I can't believe that. Not my my president. That's just rude. He's your president. Blah, 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 blah. Well, I like to see what's going to happen now. I don't know what's going to happen, but if that election goes and elect becomes actual president, will it be not my pre- president then? You know, no, that is your president, whichever side. I said this back when President Obama was president. That's our president, and we're going to pray. But that's not our king. Jesus is our king. 
Jesus is where our allegiance lies. It's where our heart goes. It's what we desire to allow people to be pointed to. But this whole transactional living leads to council culture, you know, to where it's like, you know what? It's not, I'm out of this. I'm done. I'm done. I just cancel you completely out. And there's some things that need to be canceled. I'm not going to say there's not. But something I saw this week, and most of you this won't matter, but I just thought it was poignant, okay? If you don't have the same views and opinions of me, I'm checking out. I'll just go over to Mew Mew or Parlor. Forget this Facebook stuff. I'm just going to go over here so I can surround myself by everybody that thinks like me. Well, how in the world is the world going to see the things you are saying about the gospel if that's how we live? And then I know what your response is going to be. Well, well, pastor, we should be living the gospel out more than we are on social media. Yeah, but you're not. And so for a lot of us, that's the only way people hear the gospel. And now we're going to go, hey, we're going to check out of this platform because how dare them. You're right. How dare a lot of that stuff. But we're going to check out and just cloister and misinfluence because of transactional living. I'm not getting what I want. I'm out of here. But it's difficult to live in the world and not be of it. You're absolutely right. It's difficult to live in the world's systems. The Bible says don't be a part of the world's systems. Be in it, but not of it. It doesn't say don't be a part. It says be in it, but not of it. Don't let that social media stuff run your head, your mind, but get in that place wherever you're at and allow the gospel to be seen. And everybody, I know you're going, Pastor, you are flat out meddling now. Yes, I am. All I want to say is Jesus wasn't transactional. That's not how he lived. Even when he picked us, watch how powerful the gospel is. John 6, there are some of you who do not believe. This is what Jesus says. There's some of y'all who don't believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who, were, who, who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it's granted by him the Father. Watch this. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the one of God, the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, did I not choose you the 12? Every one of those 12, right? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the 12, was going to betray him. So Jesus is, Amy and I, this actually, this whole talk came out of a devotional Amy and I were just having together. We were looking at the word and we were talking about transactional living versus transformational living and how it blows our mind that God is so not transactional. He's so transformational. Like Jesus, when he chose his disciples, modeled that, that like he knew their agendas would get skewed, but he still chose them. He knew Peter would be one that would deny him multiple times. He knew that Thomas would be one that would doubt him. And he knew that Judas would be the one that betrays him. Yet he picked all 12 of those. And we're going to say, I'm checking out of culture. I'm checking out of this friendship. Do you know I've had people stop being my friend because my position that I'm going to love and promote that we should be kinder and more understanding of issues concerning our black brothers and sisters in this world. Just being honest. I've had people check out on that. I just saw scripture. Jesus loved everybody. 
And so I just be very ver- verbal about that. I've had people check out. I've had people check out about my, I guess they feel my political views not far enough over here publicly or far enough over here publicly. But you know what? I don't care. I want Jesus to be seen. I'll, I'll get to that in a second. So Amy and I are talking about this, and we're just like, oh, my gosh, he picked a doubter. He picked a denier. He picked a betrayer. He picked them. But, but Pastor, those people changed. Well, yeah, I get that. As they were connected to the gospel, Peter became full of the Holy Ghost, and his life changed. Maybe your friend that you don't agree with politically, that's what Jesus is going to do. Because you're living transformationally with them, not transactionally. Right? Thomas, I bet all those guys were frustrated with Thomas. You weren't even here. We saw him with our own eyes. You know, you liberal. We saw him with our own eyes. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus, man, he was just so patient. Thomas, touch my hands. Touch my side. Not, hey, Thomas, jump through a whole bunch of hoops. No, he actually invited Thomas to get even closer. Your friends that are in opposition, whatever that looks like, get closer. Lord, how do I get closer? I'm not saying light having fellowship with darkness. I'll talk about that in a second. I'm not saying that. God, how can I get closer that you can be seen in their life? How can I get closer that they can see you in my life? That's the gospel. So transformational versus transactional versus transformational living. I want to just give you three real quick things as we close. Can I have a couple more minutes? Just raise your hand. Can I have a couple more minutes? I need hands. I just need hands. Can I? All right, two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve. All right, twelve more minutes. I appreciate that so much. I do need it. I haven't preached for two Sundays, people, so. So how can we live transformational lives in a transactional world? Because our world is very transactional. So the first is engage the Lord. We worry too much about people and not enough about Jesus. We worry about what people think, what people say, what people are saying, and now i got to figure out how I'm going to respond to what they're saying. We worry more about that, even especially in social media environments, than we do just engaging the Lord. So the first thing, if we're going to be transformational, we have got to be people that engage the Lord. When, when Isaiah saw this vision, Uzziah dies, but he sees God seated on the throne. He realizes he's undone. And in verse 5, he says, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I have a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Greater revelation of who Jesus is. And it caused him to realize how undone he was. Not how undone. You don't see him saying, but Uzziah was corrupt. But this person was that. But that person was that. No, no. This revelation of Jesus, it all just, Lord, I'm undone. Do something in me. God had to do something in Isaiah first before he could be a prophet to the nation. Before the glory of the Lord could be seen in the nation, God had to do a work in the prophet's heart. And I'm saying the same of us. Isaiah 6, 6, and 7 Then one of these seraphims, they flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth. And he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. It's a precursor of the gospel. That when the the power and presence of the Holy Spirit touches us, it changes us. We need to engage 
with the Lord. So I would say the first thing, if we're going to be transformational, is allow God to have his work in you. Allow him to have his work in you. Don't point the fingers to everybody else. When you know that there's things in your heart that need to be submitted to Jesus. Lord, have your work in me. I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live amongst a people of unclean lips. You know what I mean? It's, but he started with himself. And remember what he said, what he gave to Jesus that needed help? That's what Jesus, that's what the, the angel brought to touch his tongue. I'm a man of unclean lips. So I don't know what it might be for you. But whatever that is, we can't live transformational in people's lives if we don't live broken before the throne of God ourselves. So whatever it is, God, that's undone, I just give it to you and I ask that you touch me. It's so much easier. I tell people this all the time. It's easier to back into a corner with a position and become all about the fight. It is, okay? It's just easier to do that than to walk out with feet of faith out to a place of vulnerability and allow God to work on you in the middle of the ring. It's just so much easier just to polarize. So much easier. So number two, stay engaged with those that have differing opinions. Smile at me. Stay engaged. Now, I'm not saying when people are abusive. Amen? I'm not saying when people are, are, are violating trust. I mean, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not telling you we just take it like that, all right? What I'm saying, though, is you got that crazy uncle that you know next week at Thanksgiving. It's going to be easy to be transactional. You don't even want the gravy if he's passing it. You know what I mean? Like this guy. But in the middle of it, Lord, how can I be transformational in my uncle's life? What's that look like? Stay engaged with those that have differing opinions. Do you realize this week I ministered to a witch? I ministered to a Buddhist. I ministered to a staunch Republican who was not the witch or the Buddhist. <laughs> I, I ministered to a diehard Democrat. All right? These are people reaching out to me. I got to minister to all these people this week. These people all have known me, and they know I'm serious about Jesus. All right? Listen to this, okay? They know I'm serious about Jesus. They know that I believe he is the only way to get to heaven. I'm an absolutist. I really am, okay? When it comes to the message of this, I'm not wavering, okay? These people know that, but I'm the one they're reaching out to in their moment of need. I'm not saying that to put me on a pedestal. I'm saying it because I know I've lived a lifestyle that points people to Jesus more than a politician. I may have been accused that I won't take a stand, but that's not the point. I'm just taking a stand for a different man. These are people that know that I believe he's the only way. They're people that know that I believe that we should strive to live holy according to his word. I'm, I'm, if you want to say scripturally, I'm probably, I guess, would say pretty conservative. If it says it here, I want to live it. I fail. That's why I go to God in brokenness. But I want to live it. And so, Pastor, how do you do that? Well, I communicate with them on things that we have in common. And not just in that moment, but for years. But, but, but the Bible says light hath no fellowship with darkness. You're right. And they know the parts of my life that will not have fellowship with them. I, the, the witch 
is going to say, hey, I need some higher thoughts, and I need some good, good vibes. But she knows when I'm talking to her, I'm asking Jesus to do a work in her life to reveal himself and make himself known in such a way that is so undeniable that she will come to know Jesus as her personal Savior. And I'm saying it in a way that's full of love and full of grace and full of hope. And so, yeah, you're right. Light hath no, light hath no fellowship with darkness. I'm not going to Berlin. But in those common areas where I can begin to minister, I find that commonality and I speak life. I speak the gospel. They know what I stand for. So stay engaged with those that have a differing opinion. Number three, engage people with the gospel of Christ, not your political agenda. If your life is an expression of your politics and that's it, that is not the same as your life being an expression of the gospel of Jesus. Do you understand? It's not the same. Now, I'm not saying some of the platform here and some of the platform here, the the things that point to the things of God. and and, No, I, I get that. But if you're equating your life witness and it's just politics, no wonder we're losing generations to Jesus or to the world. So engage people with the gospel of Christ, not our political agenda. We don't engage people in the gospel of the GOP. We don't engage people with the gospel of the Democratic Party. I don't know if they have a cute little thing like GOP, the, the DMC, the DNC. Well, that sounds awful. That's the, is that really? That's, that's, not good, um, that's not good advertisement. Now my brain's thinking about a lot of stuff. Because here's what happens, okay? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish with this. Jesus gets linked to the straw men we build. The world attacks a straw man that isn't Jesus and wants no part of our Savior. It can be the left wing, if you will, Democrat or whatever, or the moderate Democrat, and they elevate Jesus, and and their politics are all about how this is going to be pleasing to Jesus. And it could be the right wing politician that we elevate and and the the, the far this side, and and we link it all up with Jesus stuff. (coughs) And it leaves the world in the middle going, I don't want that Jesus. Well, that's not Jesus. It's a political character of your agenda. And you've bastardized the faith and hijacked the King of Kings and Lord of Lords for something that will not last 2,000 years, let alone eternity. And so when we tie Jesus to a political party, we create a strawman that doesn't exist, but that strawman can be attacked. And the problem with it is the kingdom of God, his influence begins to die because of our platform. Oh, not for the ones that share our opinions. It gets our cheers. It gets our huzzahs, our, you know, yeah. But for the ones that don't prepare or don't have that same opinion, prepare to be canceled. Prepare for your influence to be canceled. Well, who cares, Ross, if they cancel us? I mean, who cares? 
Can I tell you why we should care? Because you're a priest connecting people to their creator. That's who we are as the kingdom of God, as his people. And your politics will not change the heart of another, but connecting them to Jesus' will. Now, will they have a choice? Yeah. Judas betrayed Jesus. But Peter and Thomas, man, they got a revelation for themselves. A revelation that allowed them to go and be crucified upside down, Peter. Thomas, if I remember, I think Thomas was, I think he was the one that was cut in two in a a, a log. Because he stood for the faith. Wasn't going to back down. Had a revelation of who Jesus is. And so our politics don't change hearts, but Jesus does if we can connect him. So let me finish with this. In the early part of Uzziah's reign, as I said, under him and under the prophet Zechariah's leadership in his life, he was faithful. It even says in Scripture that he did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. But then his pride led to his downfall. He entered the temple of God to burn incense at the altar. The problem was that was the prerogative of the priest at that time to burn incense. And so he forsook his, he forsook what God, he, 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 he stopped, he wasn't a priest, but you are. I'm stumbling on that a little bit. No, it wasn't for Isaiah to burn the incense of the Lord. It was, it was for the priest to do that. It was for the sons of Aaron who were consecrated to burn the incense. They were the ones that were set apart to do the work of the Lord. And I want to challenge you, you are the ones that are set apart to do the work of the Lord. Not the politician, not Uzziah, the church that allows Jesus to be lifted up in their hearts and his glory to fill the temple and to be able to be seen out of your life. Do you know what happened to Uzziah when he did that? When he took for granted that he wasn't the priest, what happened was he developed leprosy in that moment, which is living death, basically. And he was made to reside in a separate house away from the temple. He got canceled, everybody. Because he wasn't going after the king. He was going after his agenda, his pride. And so I would just conclude by saying this. Don't let your politics rob you from your priesthood. Amen? Be a proud whatever you are. I'm not saying that's wrong. Okay? I'm not saying that's wrong. But just check things. Can I be a priest to my crazy uncle, to my brother, to my workmate? Can I be a priest? Am I being a priest? It's probably a better way of saying it. Am I being a priest in this moment? If not, we say again, crucify him, crucify him. If not, we're like Uzziah developing leprosy. We're, we're dying when our world needs life, and life comes from the gospel. Amen? All right, Jesus... This message tears me up. I want to be pleasing to you, Lord. I want our church to be pleasing to you. I don't want us to fall for anything. Lord, I want us to be so emphatic about living this word out. But Lord, let us be a place that's so serious about you and so serious about your word, so serious about the gospel. Lord, help us to live that out in such a way, Lord God, that it's not clouded by politics. But it points people to King Jesus, to you on the throne. And in doing so, your glory can fill their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God some praise. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.